One. So Bruce Milton, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Glenn. I'm glad to be here finally. <laughs> awesome. So Bruce, you're a producer. You uh, do a lot of public affairs for TSA, I take it, right? Right. So my day job is I'm in the uh, TSA TV studio for uh, TSA's public affairs office. And the side gig is producer and I've produced several short films and a feature length film that's currently on Amazon Prime. Um, but that's the, the side gig. Awesome. What, what, what's the show on Prime again? Uh, it's called Capra. We did it in it's C-A-P-G-R-A-S. Oh, Capra. Yeah, it's it's the true definition is it's a uh, not disease, but it's a condition where a person feels like they are uh, another identity or something like that. Mm -hmm. We shot and filmed it in 20, I want to say 2012, 2011, something like that and, and stuff. And so Matt Giordano was my writer director on that. He's a guy from Richmond. And, uh, and funny enough, we met at a Virginia Production Alliance event um, where I was looking for material to produce and uh, we happened to get in a conversation. He said, hey, send me, and I liked him. And uh, at the time he was a student, he went to Savannah College Art and Design. And um, I, he just graduated actually. And so I was like, send me some stuff. And I read some of his scripts and there was something about it that I just gravitated towards. And I said, the, the one that he actually sent me was not commercial at all. <laughs> and I was, mm -hmm. like, I was like, we can't do this. Do you have anything that like is like, four people in a house like it, we could do and it wasn't exactly that but he sent me Capra which is uh which was very uh easy to do on an indie budget basically yeah and uh so we did it we shot uh in Richmond in Northern Virginia in the northern neck of Virginia where we had this great place called Namanai Hall that has since burned down and so now our film and the footage associated with it is the only catalog of that place actually <laughs> Um, and so we filmed there and, uh, and at the time I not only had my day job, but I was also expecting my second child. So I was in and out and driving back and forth and stuff, but it was a great experience. And I loved working with Matt and we eventually finished the film, did a little bit of a premiere, shopped it around some festivals. It didn't get a lot of traction, but we met a distributor who, uh, Indie Rights, who, uh, then got it on Amazon prime. And so you can see it there. Awesome. Awesome. Now, was that shot, um, I didn't catch, was that shot during quarantine or before? Oh, way before. Way before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, this is, uh, if my son's seven now, so it's seven years ago now, like, wow. which doesn't seem, <laughs> it's, when I say it, I'm like, wow, seven years ago, God. But it was almost like that long. It took us, it took probably from pre-production, he and I hammering out, you know, he worked on the script and got it nice to actual production and then post and finishing is about two years or so, two or three years or so. Awesome. Fantastic. Well, yeah. Cop, Copgra. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm seeing that on my notes here. Yeah. And even fall. Mm -hmm. So even fall was my first foray into, uh, into producing actually. So I done the DGA's assistant director program in New York. Um, I got accepted. I went up there, did stuff like Big Daddy. I was I was an AD for Big Daddy, Sex in the City. Um, got the honor of meeting one of my heroes, Christopher Reeve, because at the time he directed the TV remake Rear Window. Uh, we shot that, that, he, that he was also in. 
that he was also oh, wow. in. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so I met him, Daryl Hannah, and all that stuff. We shot in Yonkers, New York, which was a hike from the city. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I did like a week on that. Uh, so I was in the program and I did productions that were in New York. And then about uh, the program is two years and I didn't finish the program because working on sex in the city, I got burned out. And at that point I was like, you know what? I know that I want to be a producer. I just need to start producing. So I left the program and sort of didn't know what I wanted to do that at that point, I went to LA for a little bit to figure out if I wanted to be there. I didn't, I came back here to uh, Northern Virginia because I frankly got a job working at a post house and I worked at that post house for almost 10 years. And while I was there, I met a gentleman named Keith Jodowin who uh, has his own company, Sapling Pictures. And Keith and I became great friends. We're, we're really close to this day. And he wanted to do narrative fiction and get stuff going. And he heard about me and what I do. And he was like, let's collaborate. And so one of the earliest things he wrote was this short called Evenfall Mm -hmm. It told the story of a female spy because this is like 2003 or so, yeah. right at the height of Alias and in this kind of oh, thing. Yeah. Um, and he wanted to focus on a female spy and do a thriller. Um, and at that time, I, you probably remember this. At that time, shorts were like a calling card in a way. Yeah, and 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 it's and it's funny you mentioned that because me and a couple of colleagues are trying to knock out you know a couple of shorts, and now. I had a I had a number of previous guests that are doing anthology films. Like that's kind of like the new yep. semi calling card or just taking just taking those calling cards that never went anywhere and just like jam packing two or three, four of them into a feature. Packaging it, yeah. But yeah, like that's what got Napoleon Dynamite kicked off was a short. Yep. Oh, there was a, there was another one. I was just thinking about it. I don't It'll, know if oh was Juno one? No, I don't think Juno. No, was. I, I it starts with a J. I know what you're talking about, but uh, THX eleven thirty eight was a short, which turned right. into the, Lucas's feature, which kind of uh, was kind of like his gateway into Star Wars. Ah, oh, jeez, man. <laughs> but it's not what it used to be. Hardcore yeah. Henry. That well, see, and oh then, yeah, and, and and then new media. It was like a bunch of little hardcore Henry shorts turned into the feature hardcore the feature. And, and 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 now there's anthology films but uh but yeah uh yeah back it's, when back when shorts were calling cards yeah yeah and this is right like when hd was jumping off so we were we wanted to, we touted that we were one of the first shorts to shoot in hd which was the sony varicam i think at that point and mm -hmm. so we did that and it was great it was it was an amazing experience and we did it we uh, shopped it and got it in, into some festivals and went around, but it never really materialized. And we did two other projects after that that were shorts, but nothing feature-wise. But he's still, you know, Sapling Pictures is running to this day. They do various uh, content, producing, you know, much like you guys and, yeah. and that kind of thing. But, uh, oh, yeah, I, I remember what it was now. It was Bottle Rocket was a short. Oh, wow. I think it was like Sundance. And then, and and both, both Wilson, Owen... Owen and Luke, and, and Luke Owen Wilson and Luke. were in that. And then, you know, it, so then that was like the calling card for the feature. Then they got Burt Reynolds in the feature. And then that was like their big independent debut. And, and they, the, the, the Wilson brothers, you know, they're just now they now they're the Wilson brothers. But yeah. Um, and Blair Witch, believe it or not, a lot of people don't realize they did a short. They did like the first 20 minutes. And, I think I remember that. Yeah. And they aired it on the I some IFC TV show like you know back in like 97 98 
and then they got another 60 grand i think to finish it and then the rest is history for blair witch but i'll never forget watching that too i was in new york at the time and down in uh soho mm-hmm. or near near houston there was a little theater like an independent movie theater and i was like i had a day off and i was like oh i'll just go see this movie called blair witch and i was like I was both nauseated from the handheld shaky cam, but I was also impressed because I was like, oh shit, like they did this and, you know, I was on a shoestring budget. I was horrified. The girl I took to go see this because there's all that hype. So I took this girl to go see it and I guess she, she heard some of the hype. She never spoke to me again. I was horrified. I was, I was blown away. I was blown away from that movie. I was in the Boy Scouts. So, you know, we would go camping out in the middle of nowhere. I I was a lifer. So I didn't do, I didn't do Eagle. I just didn't do my project. So I'm with you. But yeah, I think I was a hearts. What was a heart and then life and then Eagle heart life Eagle. Yeah. I was, I was either heart or life or something like that. When I got out, I, I never made Eagle either, but when the kids were tapping on that tent, I was like, dude, I'm done with this movie. I almost got up and left. <laughs> like, this is this is horrifying. These these filmmakers are all the right nerves. Yeah. They, they did the right it. thing. All yeah. the right nerves. Yeah. Yeah. So so how would you say you've been impacted by the quarantine then? So in the so I'll say my two lives. So in the side gig personal uh, personal sort of life. Oh, that's okay. Turn that off <laughs> in the psychic personal life. Uh, I kind of slowed things down on producing. I, I was working on a web series several years ago with a, a friend of mine, but we sort of life got in the way and I changed jobs and I was just, I let it go. So I haven't really done much with that. But as far as like my job with TSA, uh, we are currently uh, working remotely. We come in every once in a while because we do have an on premises server that's 96 terabytes has, houses all our information and we do you reuse a lot of stuff we currently don't have a way to tap into that remotely right so what we've been doing is hard drives back and forth of projects we need and stuff like yeah. that so we try and come in as little as possible yeah no that makes sense um yeah you know i i really you know it, it's sad you know we, we there was a lot of loss and, and 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 a lot of people were negatively affected but for me and the wife and the, and the baby boy i had some projects in the can and so and, and i had a lot of scripts and a lot of outlines you know that I was able to finish up so i really took advantage of the quarantine and 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 like you said i wasn't in any quick hurry to leave i had so much stuff to do here and i started just banging stuff out checking boxes checking boxes but no a lot of people have taken that you know and and that's the advantage to the quarantine for writers i i suck at writing i never was good at it even in school so i applaud you screenwriters and the writers because yeah you can get stuff really solid now and like take the time to especially early on in the quarantine when we nobody was doing anything Mm -hmm. like when everything was totally shut down i i feel bad now i joke with my wife i'm like I didn't like do any of the stuff I wanted to like learn an instrument or, you know, draw better, or, you know, take any classes or anything. Cause that was the time to do it. Yeah. And, and I'm really regretting not sticking with the piano. Like I, I was in the <laughs> piano years ago, you know, when I was in elementary school in like the music group or whatever, and I was playing the piano and I really wish I stuck with it because now I, you know, who knows, <laughs> probably could have you know composed some symphonies or something by now (laughs) all this six months seven months now so um so you but you have been back on set with tsa 
Yes, and so we uh, have had several events that we've had to be a part of. So, for example, as you can imagine, 9-11 is a very important event for us. Especially TSA, uh, yeah. Especially TSA. And so we have an event every year uh, that has usually been live. Uh, and this year, we did a hybrid model of it. Uh, usually, we have everybody here at our headquarters, and uh, we invite dignitaries and people, and they're all outside and everything. This year, we did a little bit of a hybrid in that we limited the number of people live. Uh, we then broadcast it in live streaming and live streaming is the big thing that's blown up now, as you probably know, oh, too, yeah, like, you know, <laughs> it's, well, half it's crazy. Of these, yeah. Half of these episodes are live. Today's not live, but right. uh, yeah, like, you know, just about like every other episode of this is live depending on my schedule and or the guest's schedule. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so live streaming is the thing that blew up. And so what we do is we take advantage of our social media teams which is TSA's YouTube account. And so we live stream some of our events mm -hmm. um, that are that warranted, and certainly 9-11 warranted that. And then uh, we have, um, like today, I just got back from a shoot at the airport. And a lot of what we're doing at the airports, because we've been to the local airports, uh, even BWI, you know, they're all local, BWI, DCA, IAD, they're all local. And we've been highlighting, uh, not only for our internal stuff, but also our external stakeholders like Congress and some other people are like, well, what are you doing for the officers at the checkpoint? What's it look like for passengers going through during COVID and stuff like that? So we've been getting footage of, you know, our officers wearing masks, people in the airport wearing masks. We've changed our procedures to have a lot more things at the checkpoint. Have you flown? I don't know if you've got I haven't. No, I haven't flown yet. You know, uh, my guest yesterday, we were just talking about this and I'm not doing so well i'm not doing I'll just have you know i'm not getting on a plane <laughs> right i haven't i'm not doing it i'm not doing anything until the vaccine and right. i think two days ago cdc released like the most recent update is uh you know a vaccine's not really going to be available until summer 2021 yeah. so it's all like it's all just going to be teleworking live streaming virtual <laughs> conferences for me writing right. trying to sell scripts or something now I am a COVID compliance officer. I got certified oh, nice. that a couple months ago. So that I will do on set, right? Not acting, <laughs> maybe not ading or or anything in the director or producer department. But I would okay. I would be a COVID compliance officer only because the rates, the demand, and the rates allow it. And right. then I would and then I would be in charge of all like the PPE, and I'm gonna make sure. Because I'm also in the D.C. Army National Guard, so I have to. Oh, okay. Thank you for your service. And thank you for your support. But unfortunately, I got to go. I have to report to them. And, we, you know, we were out there all throughout end of May, June, July, just, you know, wow. you know just stuck out there and having to deal with what we had to deal with then, unfortunately. But um, it is what it is. No, at least as a compliant officer, you can roam, you but know, that, you, can, you can jump around, you know, yep. you're, you're just making sure everything is cool. So, mm -hmm. yeah, no, so, I'm with you. But yeah, but, but, to, but to answer your question from that tangent, no, I haven't flown anywhere and I'm, I don't plan to until there's a, at least a vaccine or the military makes me fly somewhere. Right. Yeah. I understand. And, yeah. and that's sort of like we aren't. There are sometimes when our administrator, we're very tied to the front office and senior leadership here. Yeah. And our 
administrator has been very uh, proactive about going out and seeing different airports. He's been to Chicago, he's been to Boston, he's been to Philly. And we've said, we'll go anywhere in driving distance, like reasonable driving distance. So New York, yeah, okay. Um, Philly, yeah, you know. Yeah. Any anywhere like that, but anywhere like Chicago, Boston, we got to fly. We're gonna have to find another way. <laughs> and, and, right, and, and another caveat to being a CCO is I'll drive to you know New York, you know, like maybe halfway down south, maybe not drive all the way out to Florida, but you know, and right. maybe drive to Alabama, you know, Richmond, Ooh. New York, Jersey, Philly. I'll drive to those locations and then and then work the set. But I yeah like. Being stuck on that plane, you know, you're just stuck in that capsule until it lands, you know. <laughs> and and there, you know, the I saw some interview yesterday with the head of American Airlines, I believe it was, or something like that, was touting, you know, the studies that have been done about air circulation in planes and how it's really safe and da da da. And I get it. I get it. I understand that. You know, that's that's nice. I just. I don't know from a visceral standpoint. I'm just like, uh, I'm not comfortable with that. And the second that person sneezes, you can't run away too far from them, you know? And it's like, <laughs> right. great, you know, it's on me. So, yeah. yeah. And and much to your point, going back to our shoots and stuff like that, we've not been more than two people. So, I mean, we're a very small shop to begin with anyway, but usually it's just one person like myself today or at least one other person we haven't tried to do 9-11 was probably the biggest exception in that that it was all hands on deck but other than that we try to keep the numbers down yeah for that very reason absolutely absolutely so i guess uh have you been binge watching like you mentioned prime since you got a movie on prime have you been binge watching anything on the streaming services <laughs> binge reading studying escape escape or or, or you know uh, inspiration <laughs> well you're you, you're a dad so you understand this but i have two kids at home one's 15 one's seven uh-huh. so they keep you busy um i don't have as much time as i i'd like to do right. but uh since the quarantine i've probably watched more uh i got into more documentaries especially in light of things that are happening in the world so i watched ava duvernay's 13th i watched uh when they see us uh so i was big into that stuff i watched the jeffrey it's mainly been netflix sadly (laughs) but i've mainly because there are a ton of series that i want to see on all the major platforms but i've been gravitating toward more of the documentaries and the and the true life stuff like the Jeffrey Epstein, uh, filthy rich one on Netflix. Yeah. That's next on my list. I like, I, I definitely, have it to was, that. it's fascinating and scary. Um, and then, uh, I of course watched tiger King. Um, <laughs> and- I, my wife refuses and I don't know why my wife just does not want to watch it. So I got to find time. I don't blame her. Cause it is what it's one of those things, but see, as a filmmaker, you should watch it because the first thing that went through my head watching, I was like, I was casual about it. I was like, oh, I'll just watch like one episode, you know, whatever. I ended up binging almost the whole series, the whole, the first night I watched it because the documentary, the documentarian went in thinking it was one story. He was going to mm-hmm. focus on people about big cats. Uh, you know, they're a little kooky. Mm-hmm. And then he stumbles upon this like treasure trove of characters and story. Conspiracy. Uh, because of betrayal, you yep. know, yeah. I, I mean, uh, it is one of those things I'm like, if I was that dude, you're just sitting there like looking at the dailies going, oh, my God, what do I have here? Like, um, wait, 
what? Keep rolling. What? What is right? Say? Yeah, yeah. It's you go in for one thing and you come out with another. So you would find it fascinating, but I, my wife refuses to watch it too. And so. it's such, but it was it was such a phenomenon that I think the lady who apparently fed, who's accused of feeding her husband, Carol Baskins. Yep, is going to be on Dancing with the Stars. She is, and she was on. Uh, they've already started the show, so she's she's on. But is she under investigation? No. <laughs> what? The- Not for that. What the yeah. hell, man? Like, I don't I'll, get I'll it. I'll put it to you this way. They have not revealed if she is or not yet. Okay. Nobody is arresting her yet. Mm-hmm. If they are, they're still doing their hunting. But but now she never. Now, the, her, the what happened was just a brief summary. Uh, she's accused of killing her former husband. She's married again now, but, but her first husband. And so his family, because she was the other woman, she stole him from his wife and children and so those children in that family are suing her and, you know, trying to, you know, mm-hmm. get her for something, you know, because yeah. again, they feel, and then the coup de grace is on Dancing with the Stars the first night I, I read in an article that they paid for an advertisement to run during the commercial breaks of Dancing with the Stars that was like bad about her, like just because she was on the show, they were like, we're buying ad time. Like, good. The blaster. So yeah. I mean, well, not. I mean, there might. There's got to be something there. I don't, I'm not gonna, because I'm not gonna dump on the woman. I haven't even seen the documentary yet, so let me not say good. But well, she's just as much a villain. She's just as much a villain, and that's the thing about the, the doc as a show. As that main guy. Yeah, as as Joe. Like you, you at the end of it, watching it, they're all bad. Yeah. They're all bad. That's what I heard. Yeah. So I, that might have to be the next thing. Like I've, you know, sometimes there. Sometimes there's series that it does not. I blew through The Boys season one probably in a day. Did you like it? Oh, incredible! Really? It, okay. Like I'm, I'm a such, huge superhero nerd. I'm a so huge I'm superhero curious. nerd too. I'm I'm big on like I'm watching Agent Carter now, mm-hmm. but The Boys was so good, so dark, so uh, you know like uh, Carl. It goes Urban. the extra step of Watchmen. I've yeah. Heard. Yes. Like it, it goes well beyond. Well beyond Watchmen. And Carl Urban is beyond like amazing. He's been pretty dope in some some stuff, you know, like the Riddick yeah. series. Oh, he's amazing. I love and there him. Was, and there was something else. I think wasn't Carl Urban a villain in one of the Bourne movies? I think that was his debut, like his big debut. He I think was, so. I think you're right. Yeah. I think he was one of but the. He'll always be, you know, Bones, you know, and then he also he did the Judge Dredd, you know, remake. That's and- right. He was Judge Dredd. Thank you. Yeah. And you never saw his face. Like nope. what? A, what an act! Like what a what an artist to do that because Stallone refused to do that. <laughs> and that's why like everybody hates <laughs> guys dread. But Carl Urban went that, went that extra mile. Like you're never going to see my face. It was all essentially like voice acting almost. Yeah. And then costume acting. But uh, no, the, the, the boys, he just blows me away. And that's that. my next one. And, I gotta... and he's a human. Yeah. So, but um, yeah, like Tiger King might have to be like that one thing where I'm just like, leave me alone for you know a couple <laughs> hours. Let me just let me just knock this out. Everyone's talking about it still. It, it was because that was the big thing. I think right when the quarantine hit, that was the yes, big thing. Absolutely. And people are still talking about it, or they're still at aftermath. Because you, know? you can't believe that it is true. Like you sit there. Well, what it, state? What state was it? Florida. So yeah, yeah, you can. You can, you can. <laughs> Florida, yeah. I have a friend from Florida. He always says, "Oh, because it's Florida." Yeah, you, um, you can believe it. Yeah, but yeah, it's it's one of those things where you watch it and 
even sitting here now talking to you, I'm thinking back and I'm like, man, that show really had like all that stuff that they document in the show. Not only are they real people, but all that stuff really happened. And so it's crazy. Yeah. And, and so now, yeah, like I'm, I'm 40 and, you know, me and my wife on nine 11, um, we're talking about it and, you know, we can still remember where we're at and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, like, and which took me back, you know, 10 years, it took me back even 30 years when I was 10 and 15. And my grandfather would tell me about Pearl Harbor. And when we went into World War II and then and my grandfather, my grandfather was, I think, already a Marine. So he just shipped out. Right. And my dad was telling me, like, when Vietnam happened, like, um, when he was waiting for that draft number. And, you know, it's like little things like that. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, like, just thinking back, wow, I can, that happened. Mm-hmm. And it's insane. And there was other, there was other stuff, too, like. We were just talking about all those things that we remember that actually happened when, when, and well, you're about. I mean, I'm I'm 47, so we're not that far apart. But now Netflix has the documentary about the Challenger accident, and for I me, remember that. I totally remember the day. I remember where I was. Yep. I was in school. They wheeled in the TV because the teacher, the first teacher in space. We were all watching it. So moments like that, you know, we've always said that that was our Kennedy assassination moment. And, you know, there's a new Netflix documentary about that as well. Yeah. That was 87 or 86, 86. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember that the, the line of smoke and then Mm -hmm. the little trails. Yeah. Like, like that's the, like it's certain images you're never going to forget ever in your mind. And I remember the, I remember the, the, the twin towers when they were the smoke and then the, and then the crumbling. And it's just like, waking up to that i woke up to that and i was watching like some wow. god-awful steven seagal terrorist movie the night before so and i was drinking so i didn't even think anything of it and i'm like focusing and i'm like is this still the movie and i'm focusing i'm like this shit's live and well we just did a story one of the people we focused on that i was doing a video of was a person that was 22 years NYPD, and on the day of 9 11 she had just left uh the city and was going back to queens and she did a night shift and so she was driving back at like six in the morning and she says i looked in the rearview mirror and the twin towers were behind me and i never knew thought that that would be the last time i saw them and she went home decompressed and when she turned on the tv the second the first tower had been hit and she thought it was a action movie it was something you know oh you know what is this like somebody what movie is this are they shooting something like or what visual effect is this and you know, to our horror, it was, it was live. all too real. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. all too real. And for me, the day, I remember the day vividly because I was here in the D.C. area and I was working at the post-production house Henniger in Arlington. And I gotten up and I always listened to Donnie Simpson in the morning. And by the time I got out of the shower and the radio was on and I was listening, they said something about the tower had been hit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there have been tower hits before, and you know the first one they weren't it wasn't that sense of panic yet uh, but by the time i got in the car and got to i took 110 up here you know it's 110 to the pentagon like you can either go to the pentagon or go to dc mm-hmm. and i took that uh route to 110 they closed it and they were redirecting everybody across the the bridge to dc and i was like what the hell is going on so i turned on the radio and and you know they had hit the second tower and so i literally drove through dc 
could see the smoke from the Pentagon. And by that point, they were letting everybody out of the buildings. So I would never seen that many people in the streets of DC um, just out and about. And so I drove through, drove across, drove, you know, that way through Roslyn. I went through Roslyn that way off Constitution and then eventually got to work and we just watched TV the rest of the day. Yeah. So I'll never yeah. forget that. I was in college and my dad was in the air guard at the time. So when I saw the towers, I called him and then he jumps off the phone. Like he hung up or something. I can't remember what happened. And I, I kept trying to call him back and eventually he called me back. He goes, I'm fine. The Pentagon also got hit, but I'm fine. I'm nowhere near it, but I got to go. And I'm like freaking out. So I bet. Yeah. Yeah. And so and I, I, took, was, I, yeah. Yeah, I let my, I let my professors know, like, I got to take the day and I got to go home because I was at Towson. So it's like an hour, hour and oh, a half. Okay. Hour and a half, hour and a half with traffic away. So I had to go home, check on my mom, caught up with my dad later that night, and then came back to school. And it was, yeah, it was, it was pretty, it was pretty, you know, stressful. I'm sure everybody's on the phone because Towson is like flooded with New Yorkers, a lot of New York, a lot of New York students. And so then that ratio of who's working, who works in the city and mm -hmm. so on and so forth. So like people were freaking out. Like if one building gets hit and then the Pentagon and then a third plane shot down because of, who knows where it's going? I think it was headed towards Pennsylvania somewhere. It got shot down in Shanksville, but it was actually headed back this way. Is my understanding? Like it was like a it was a second one. Yeah, it was a second one headed towards DC area. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it was that was a, that was a nutty time. But anyway, never forget it. And, <laughs> yeah, and, never. And but, as living in New York, and I lived in New York for two years, it was mm -hmm. it was sad for me just because like the towers were always my beacon. So yeah. if we were shooting, no matter where we were shooting in the city in Manhattan, if you looked at those towers, I know that's south. You know, I would always look up and I'd be like, okay, that's south. And that that's the thing for me. Yeah. Crazy stuff. So on a lighter note, hof <laughs> hopefully, uh, what's next on the agenda for, for Bruce Milton, the independent film producer? So... Uh, getting rid of my children. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> kind of have to. <laughs> absolutely. No, I I was joking with a colleague the other day because we had some ideas. And he's another filmmaker as well, Dan DeLuca. And he has a lot of stuff. Uh, he's an actor. I know Dan DeLuca. Okay. I, wor so, yeah. I worked with Dan DeLuca. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, Dan's my boy. So, he used to work with us. Uh, he has now taken another position at another federal agency. And we berated him the other day for doing so. Uh, but he and I had always talked about this other uh, project uh, about Louis Prima that we wanted to do. Um, but Dan's busy with his new film. He's going to have another film coming out soon. And so I want to get that going on um, there. I'm doing two podcasts myself now um, because everybody's doing a podcast. Everybody. So like, I mean, not? like now's the time, right? <laughs> right. Um, so my one podcast is called the X him podcast. Uh, we've done four episodes. We're going to tape again this weekend. That's where uh, myself and five of my friends who are, we all worked at Henniger together, but we're all professionals in the business. Uh, one's a colorist, one's a graphic designer, one's a sound guy, uh, another's tech guy. Uh, we all, we had this text chain going and we all discussed like pop culture and nerd stuff and superheroes and TV. And we're like, we just turned this into a podcast. And so we did. Um, so check, check us out on every major platform. And it's the X Hen, H-E-N-N -N podcast. X Hen. Mm-hmm. 
And so okay. I'm producing that, uh, producing a podcast with my daughter, actually. And it's funny you ask about, like, what did we watch during COVID? So we took the opportunity to trade off on things we've watched. So uh, she's 15. And um, so she would subject me to Vampire Diaries and, uh, and, and that whole universe, the Julie Pleck universe. Okay. Because I'll, I'll literally watch anything. Like, I, I can find most things uh, something redeemable about most things and so she's like well watch this with me so we we watched those and so now i have her watching battlestar galactica the the remake not the 1980s version yeah 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 <laughs> that'd be a little much Man. i can't i can't force that order yeah um but during the covid we've been watching uh, shows together and we have our own podcast tv with m and b and we did one, we did a teaser and then one episode. It's on major platforms too, TV with E, M, and B. Um, and we did one episode, but then with school starting now and things getting busy, we haven't recorded a second episode, but we were gonna go and take chunks of uh, TV shows and, and talk about them. And yep. so we started with the Vampire Diaries. And so we took episodes one through four and we were going to keep going that way and stuff like that. And so we, we've been talking about how to keep that going on. Those are the two major projects still in the personal life. And of course the day job I'm still doing. Yeah. Still, still plugging away at the day job. So that, yeah. I mean, well, it's a government job, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I'm a gubby. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> there's, pay the bills. it's a plethora, it's a plethora, <laughs> a plethora of, of work and, and uh, you know, income when it comes to the government. Well, listen, I got to disagree with Bowser Galactica. Uh, I, I put I put so much into BSG and Lost, and they both were just great, the, great the shows. Eighties one or the new the, the new the two thousands BSG okay. was great until the last season. You it was just like Lost. Like her. Yeah, it was just like Lost. It was yeah. great, man. It was great until like what. You sound just like her now. I mean, we're in episode six of season four. And she's she's done. Like Spo she, like spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. The chosen four. Oh wait, there's a fifth. How do you know the words to along all along the watchtower if it hasn't been like? You guys suck. It's stupid. It's bullcrap, dude. You're. And her favorite character was Callie, dude. and I made the mistake of not remembering that she dies. <laughs> so with the set, the episode where she dies, and and um, and I forget her name, but. Uh, but when she kills her, um, my daughter's done. Like, she was like, you lied to me. Like, you didn't tell me that she would die. You said everybody was safe. And I said, I didn't say everybody was safe. Wait Callie, Callie was the Asian American, right? No, Callie was the chief's wife. And they had the baby. So she was she was a grunt with the chief, with Chief was, Tyrrell, on the deck. Was, uh, oh, so you're thinking I Boomer. And, Boomer, and then yeah. Anne Athena and number eight. See, I can remember all this because it's I yeah. was currently watching. You just, you just rewatched it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I mean when but every, she's bad. When she's the four dumb. when the four started singing all all along the watchtower together, I was like, amazing. I, like you, you kind of know, and then like, oh no, they land they spoiler alert, they land on Earth and I guess uh breed with Aborigines to make um people like the yeah Caucasian, like, I, probably caucasians and africans maybe 
I, you know, I can't remember it's coming up, but I remember looking on Wikipedia to see evidently the 13th tribe. So there, those five, yeah. you know, were like Vikings. No, they were like Cylons, but they were, they had left. Like they went to Cobol and those five, because of the war, those five in the 13th tribe left and went to earth to start over because the war with the Cylons that they made was bad. So, and so they made this utopia on earth, but again, but so, so the, that tribe that looked like Aborigines were Cylons. I, I have to watch it again. Cause I honestly don't remember Aborigines. I, I just remember them getting to earth and it was a pile of ash. That's all I remember. No, at the at the the very last episode, from what I remember, they landed on Earth, and it was like Australia. That they, it was like the Australian island they landed on. See, I have like, to. I can't like, wait to get there because I I totally don't remember th- that at all. You're th- I think you're thinking of the planet right that they landed on right before Earth. They they landed on a planet they thought was Earth, and it was. And they called it New Caprica, and it all went that. to shit. It all yeah. went to bed. It all it all shit the bed. Yeah. Like because the Cylons found them and then started the occupation. When I, I get to the end, I'll write you. I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't, <laughs> don't even bother, man. That show, man. What? A yeah, it, it kind crap. of fell apart. It, it fell apart at it, the end. It was. It was just like the same lost formula. Like oh, lost made me mad. You know, like just say it's purgatory. Just just is building. It, sorry, just, spoiler alert again. Just, just say it's purgatory. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just build, just building plot, a uh, 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 cliffhanger after cliffhanger, and mystery after mystery after mystery, till the point you can't answer any. You can't and you can't. You don't have enough answers for all these. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, plot holes. These, it keeps these, us watching. It keeps us we, watching. We're like, how are they going to solve this? But exactly. Yeah, the last but episode, then they don't. Oh, yeah. you you can't explain magic. Oh, you can't explain how to freaking write a show, then, dude. Like, <laughs> come on, like the. Uh, and funny enough, I got to meet <laughs> Carlton Cuse, uh, one of the producers, because I did the produced by Summit. I don't know if you ever heard the produced by Summit. I, I think yeah, I, I, that sounds familiar. Yeah. But uh, I went to one of the first ones, and he was one of the mentors that you got to rotate with and stuff. And, and the first thing he says right off the bat, because this was like in. <laughs> lost mania yeah it wasn't the last season but it was it was in the middle and he was like i can't answer any questions about lost yeah. don't ask me any questions about lost i can't tell you anything about lost and right. it's like damn mm-hmm. yeah. yeah he's a nice guy great guy yeah. <laughs> so uh what would you say is your view of the new normal the new normal now is and i think you touched upon it but yeah, and I will say that it'll be a temporary new normal. Yeah. The new normal is that we get to a state where we're alone but together. So like we do things like this. Like yeah. I think I think forever technology has changed. I I had heard on the radio the other day or something like that that the genie's out of the bottle because we're we're loath to let things go once we get them. So now that we've lived in this environment where we're doing Zoom meetings and WebEx and we're virtually meeting and we don't have the need to have these hour long meetings in person yep. and we don't need to see each other necessarily. It's nice to see each other face to face, but we can do these other things virtually. Yeah. I think that'll stay. I think that's part of our way going forward that these kinds of things will be more, uh, they won't go away. I don't. I won't say they'll be ubiquitous because I think once we get a vaccine and once everybody feels comfortable being 
truly out in the world again, we're going to go nuts. Like we're going to go totally crazy. Everybody's going to be packing every beach known to man. And we're all just going to be a Disney. They already are. (laughs) Well, yeah, they're stupid. Um, Yeah. (laughs) My buddy's a, my buddy, my buddy's a firefighter, a DC firefighter EMT. And he calls me from the beach. He goes, dude, this place is packed. No one's wearing masks. I'm, I'm, I'm I'm coming back, dude. Let's, let's shoot something. I'm coming back. And I'm like, I told you, man, like, for, you know, for yeah. us, we went to Corolla. We take an annual trip to Corolla at Outer Banks, North Carolina every year. And we decided to keep it because they didn't shut us down. Uh, this is in August. And so they said, you know, we understand. And I think actually they would have kept our deposit anyway if we had backed out. But we, we went with it anyway because uh, we were like, we'll just be very careful. And we were, you know, it's just our family in the beach house. When we were out and about, everybody wore masks in the family because myself and, and some of our extended family, all of us kind of quarantined together. Uh, when you go at the beach, we wore masks and it, when we got our little section, we would take the masks off and, you know, go in the ocean and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Walking back up to the boardwalk, mask. Uh, but you, yeah, he's not wrong. Like there are tons of people that, to their credit, when you'd see people go into somewhere, they would wear a mask, but otherwise yeah. they were like, I'm at the beach. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in, in my little cul-de-sac, even at the height of the quarantine, even in my little cul-de-sac, you, know, you got some people, you know, going for walks with masks on, but I'm running. So I'm, I'm not going to wear a mask if I'm going to go, you know, go do a two mile run. Right. But I was, but I was staying away from everybody. I'd right. Keep your distance. Other, yeah. Other side of the road or whatever. But at this, but around that same time, if me and the wife did a, would take a little stroll, you know, with the baby in the, in the stroller, then we'd wear a mask. But if I'm like running, like trying to get a workout, hard workout run, then no mask. And, and yeah, but at least you're distancing. I mean, I, but I I'm still distancing. I but, don't fault people that do that. You know, at least, you, yeah. you know, you're going to avoid people. Like it, the goal is I don't get my germs on you. Right. However that takes shape, mm-hmm. that, that's cool. And so I think that, you know, our new normal is going to be some extension of that. And I think once we, we're not going to truly get back to pre-pandemic levels, in my opinion, until at least 2022, when we get some kind of vaccine in, everybody feels comfortable. I think we all have to feel like we can then be out in the world like we used to be. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the way we're doing things now is going to stick around. Well, listen, I mean, Avicii and I know it was Avicii and Dead, uh, Dead Mouse were doing Twitch DJ streams years ago. They started doing that years ago. And like online gaming, that's oh, been yeah. around for 15. I remember when the Dreamcast came out, I want to say in like 2000, <laughs> the Dreamcast came out. And that was like the first one where you could play video games online. online yeah. you, you couldn't chat and there was no there was no like webcam you but you were able to like text them like what was that gg good game good game gg <laughs> gg and i remember doing that and that was 2000 so right. you know yeah you're right absolutely you know vr is uh, the oculus and the vr systems were popping up i want to say 2015 2016 i and think and i think multiple i think and i hope that it pushes the game manufacturers like you know everybody has their next gen console coming out this christmas my hope is that we get more cross-platform stuff 
in yeah. availability that way and that Absolutely. they realize we're all going to be there'd be way more i mean fortnite already in battle royale games blew that out of the water and that just got worse as the, not worse but more people played as the pandemic hit mm-hmm. i think we're going to see more of that but i hope that they realize that we need to we want to all play together mm-hmm. and more cross-platform stuff happens that's yeah. what i want absolutely and you know there's so like you my the, the my biggest money maker for the past six months has been live streaming industrial and industrial and corporate virtual conferences you know like you know microsoft would, would have a a, a week long conference at um, the Marriott or the Gaylord. Well, mm-hmm. now it's virtual. And right. I, you know, Marriott. I, I wish Marriott was one one of our clients, but it's more uh, medical or or financial clients. But the entities themselves, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, but you know, it's uh, instead of being at the Gaylord at the Marriott now, it's all virtual conferences. You know, utilizing Zoom as the one camera or another, and they're gonna the clients are gonna look at that and see we had just as many attendees mm-hmm. online. We had all the same presenters and speakers with all the, the, the quality information, updated information, same attendance, mm-hmm. but the budget for 2019 and the budget for 2020 is like one-tenth of that with all the same results. And no one had to leave home. So I'm thinking maybe 50% of these clients are going to continue to do the virtual, if not hybrid. Now, I did my first hybrid, I want to say, last week where – half of the speakers half of the hosts were at the nashville hotel mic'd up on a podium you know the 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 nice set that they would normally have and they were but they were mic'd up and in the camera but then those uh outputs and inputs were set into zoom Mm -hmm. and then they were talking and all the attendees were virtual but but also presenters and speakers with the with the powerpoints Oh, right. We're virtual also. And so, you know, the hosts were looking at the presenters, but the, the attendees were all virtual watching it on, on the, on the platform, on the virtual platform. Yeah. And now that, but my first hybrid was, you know, kind of a mix. And I think we're going to see all sorts of different mixtures of hybrids and, yep. and because five years ago I was doing conferences and there was that one guest that had to get Skyped in and no one knew how the hell to do that. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> now that's just going to be second nature. You know, Absolutely. like there's going to be, there's going to be that box. There's going to be that, that, that tertiary, uh, plug-in yeah. and, and, an extra monitor for the virtual guest. And it'll, it'll really be incumbent upon some kind of technology maker, you know, in, in our space, in the broadcast space, it's like Teradac and, you know, high vision and some of the other ones that have really jumped on the live streaming of Wirecast. They were on that path anyway and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But they need to make their technology better, and they, I think this is their opportunity to do so. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Well, well any, any last point, bit of advice, uh, you know, last hopeful positive points to – No, the, 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 great thing, the great thing about the quarantine, I felt, has been the giving. You know, everybody's yeah. been super generous about giving to food banks and giving to people and stuff like that. I work with some nonprofits and I'm chairman of Project Discovery of Alexandria, which helps mentor kids in school and stuff like that. Um, but in, in, that, in fact, we just had our first meeting. We were talking about uh, what this means for students now. You hear all the news about, you know, not only 
our students facing virtual learning, but also they may be dealing with personal issues with like COVID affecting their home life. Who knows? They may yeah. have a sick family member with COVID or, you know, they themselves may be sick or stuff like that. And then how that affects, you know, college, you know, what does that look like for them? Can they afford it? What are colleges doing charging money for people that can't be there? Should they, you know, you get into all that kind of stuff. But the thing that I'm really partially glad of with COVID was that you really, again, everybody stepped up. When we have something happen, when we as a nation go through yeah. something, everybody steps up and helps those in need and, and offers their help. And, and that's the best of humanity. And I like that. I'm, I noticed that, I mean, looking back at 9-11, it's, it's about 50-50. You've got, your, you've got your paranoid schizophrenics that just take shit way overboard. But then you've got the folks that are like, they, that went out to those scenes and helped. I mean, like all the guards, you know, D.C., Maryland, Virginia, um, if they weren't responding, if they weren't immediately responding to the Pentagon, they went, you know, I think a week or two later out to New York. Jersey guard, Philly guard. Uh, well, think of now, even yeah. when we have these wildfires and yeah. Hurricane Sally, we have these hurricanes and natural disasters happening. People still go, yeah. you know, people still sign up and say, I have a skill that can be of value. I'm going to go help X, Y, and Z. May not know you, may not know your name or whatever, never heard of where you're from in my life. Yeah. There's a need and I need to go help. So Absolutely. I love that. Yeah, definitely. Well, uh, any socials links plugs you want to put out there? So once again, I'll plug our, uh, our X Hen podcast again on any major pod podcast uh, platform that you listen to Spotify, Apple, whatever it's X H E N N podcast. We, we try to have fun. We talk about some great things. I'd also plug our uh, TV with M and B podcast, but we're seriously terrible at posting <laughs> new content. So, but, but please listen to the one episode we have up where it's very cute. Um, and, uh, and yeah, those are the big things to, to plug right now and just uh, hope everybody's well. Keep on watching that good content that's out there. Yeah, absolutely. So X-Hen, H-E-N-N, that's X-Henniger employees? Basically. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I worked at Discovery Channel in Silver Spring, so I'm okay. familiar with Henniger and uh, there was like something. It's a small, small, you know, incestuous world, we say, is because you'll probably yeah. know people that I know because because of the cross- pollination of discovery and hangar oh yeah definitely i mean yeah when discovery landed i think in mid 90s everybody was like i yeah. got a i got a job there like four or five months out of college i started mm -hmm. working at discovery channel so yeah it was it goes without saying well bruce Milton, i can't thank you enough for coming on the show a lot of great insight stories memories anytime glenn i i love talking about this stuff so anytime Absolutely. Well, to my viewers, I hope I've earned the privilege of your time and viewership. I know my guest has. And until next time, you know what to do.